Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the true story of Trish Willoughby, her husband Dan, and his mistress Yesenia. The tale of a ravenous affair. You feed something I need, and obviously I'm feeding something you need, and it can actually amp up until it's almost an addiction. A marriage torn apart. She cut off his credit cards. She knew about his affair. I think in his mind he had no option. Had to kill her. And the shocking twist that no one would see coming. Someone isn't who they seem. Just when you thought you've heard everything, this was like, truth is stranger than fiction. Beware, extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. Gilbert, Arizona is a quiet suburb of Phoenix on the edge of the Sonoran Desert. In 1978, newlyweds Dan and Trish Willoughby moved to Gilbert to be closer to Trish's tight-knit Mormon family. I think she looked at my mom and dad and said, I want my family to be like that. In order to do that, I've, I've got to get back to my roots. Dan knew how important our religion was to our family. Dan, who was raised a Catholic, probably converted fairly easily to the Mormon faith, first to please Trish, and to please her parents and her family, and to fit into that group. Quickly after settling into their new home, Trish and Dan's new life gets off to a promising start. Trish embarks on an independent business venture, and Dan lands a good sales job in the air freight business. I thought, oh, how lucky Trish is to have this wonderful man in her life. This is such a blessing for Trish. And over the next few years, the blessings multiply. On September 6, 1980, Trish gives birth to a baby girl whom they name Thera Catherine after their mothers. Four years later, they adopt an infant boy named Hayden, followed by 14-year-old Marsha in 1988. The Willoughbys now have the family of their dreams. We built a pool 
so we spent most of the summers outside and swimming and playing in the pool. They just did a lot of wonderful things as a family, and it was just really fun to watch them, watch them grow together. But after 12 years of marriage, Dan's personality begins to change. He's no longer content with home, work, or family. I don't think there was like a determining, you know, aha moment. I think it was just a gradual lead up to changes in his persona, with his attitude, with his temperament. Shortness, anger, times when he would blow off the handle. He held it and he hit it pretty well, but you could see at times where there was frustration levels building up. But Dan's anger can't be held back for long. Soon, his home life with his wife and kids sours. I was starting to see more and more things that um, he and Trish would fight about, sleeping on the couch, not going to bed at the same time, not really even talking. There wasn't a whole lot of communication. I never saw any affection ever between the two of them. He really seemed to change and he kind of pulled away from the family. There was that marked change and it got worse and worse and worse. One explanation for Dan's radical personality change is that he's ignoring the strict Mormon ban on alcohol. He would drink at the house. I would pick up his orange juice cups, thinking it was orange juice, take a big swig of it, and there was vodka in there. But the aggression and drinking are just the beginning. At work, Dan's a changed man as well. He starts hitting on female coworkers. Dan Willoughby is something of the classic man in the middle of his midlife crisis. There's all these stereotypes that when men get to be about 40 to 50, they all start lamenting their, their lost youth and trying to relive it with the fast cars and sometimes with the fast women. The flirting pays off. And soon, Dan begins having affairs behind Trisha's back. Everyone at work knows his routine. He would get up in the middle of the afternoon, splash some cheap cologne on himself and come back out and head in toward the front door and he'd say, I'm going to digital digital being one of his clients, but everybody knew that was the code word for, I'm going to meet one of my honeys. And he got away with that because he was a big moneymaker. He spends even less time with his family and more time looking for women to party with him. I think uh, in his book, every woman was a moving target. I would say that his level of testosterone was, was high. Then, one day in 1989, comes a moment that will change the Willoughby family's destiny forever. Dan meets a seductive and beautiful woman named Yesenia. She was a young, attractive, shapely Mexican woman. She was very flirty, very feminine. She liked men. She did sexual favors in the apartment complex where she had lived. From the very first time she saw him, he represented a level of wealth and power that she probably hadn't seen with her previous boyfriends. She was quite comfortable with any man, and the more the better. And Yesenia is exactly the type of woman Dan is looking for. 
He is bored with his marriage, and Yesenia represents the opposite of everything that drags him down, makes him unhappy with life. She doesn't look anything like Trish. She doesn't act anything like Trish. She's exotic. She would get the little mini skirts on and the stiletto heels and go out with him. And, and I'm not saying my mom didn't dress nice, but she didn't dress like that. She wasn't the trophy girl that Danny was looking for and Yesenia was. When you get two opportunists, especially if they're driven by hedonism, as well as the thrill, there's the, the, the entire dance of manipulation of you have something I want and I'm gonna get it from you. You end up feeding each other. The affair seems to ignite something insatiable in Dan. Sometimes we call this a folie I do. It's, it's almost a, a psychological chemical reaction. You feed something I need, and obviously I'm feeding something you need, and it can actually amp up and amp up until it's almost an addiction. Blinded by lust, Dan doesn't know much about Yesenia's background, and she reveals little personal information. She had worked here in the Valley as a clerk at a few of the large department stores. She liked the finer things of life. She dressed very nice. She liked lots of jewelry and perfume. With Dan falling deeper and deeper into the exotic seductress's arms, one thing becomes clear. Life at the Willoughby home will never be the same. In fact, their entire world is about to descend into an uncontrollable spiral of obsession, deception, and terror. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. 
From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. It's 1990 in Gilbert, Arizona. Family man and father of three, Dan Willoughby and his wife, Trish, seem to be a happy, loving, church-going couple. But what Trish doesn't know is that Dan has been cheating on her behind her back with a sultry Mexican vixen named Yesenia. Yesenia, being younger than he is, really represents the fun times, the fast times, early in his life. As Dan and Yesenia spend more time together, their feelings for one another intensify, and so does their desire to take risks. They join the Scottsdale Athletic Club, where they hold a joint membership under the names Mr. and Mrs. Willoughby. The pair become regulars at this high-end gym. He spent an insane amount of time at the gym. The whole idea of the gym isn't just the final product. It's the social process of everyone saying, look at him. The couple seems to enjoy the attention they get as two very attractive and vivacious people. But being seen together in public is just the beginning. Dan begins to lavish Yesenia with gifts. Many hedonists enter a manic shopping phase because when the sex is done, when the food is done, when the gym is done, what else is there? It's the procurement of material things. Their shopping trips become more frequent. It's all part of the ritual of seduction. It's beyond just buying things. It's, I have the power to buy you this. What am I going to get in return for buying you this wonderful item? And the answer is going to be, you go full circle back to the sex. But there's a problem. Dan's income can't support both his family at home and his expensive mistress. So Dan comes up with a solution. The reality behind it was is that he had been keeping Yesenia on his expense account. Dan uses his company card freely. And for a while, no one notices. Pleasure is the only thing they're concerned about. Whatever happens to bring it to them, consequences never enter their mind. But then one morning at work, Dan gets called in to see his boss. They had finally tracked it down that his expense account was hugely over the norm and they could see that there was something else going on and this wasn't being used for business. Dan is fired. Well, after he lost the last job in the air freight business, he had no income. And his work record was such that it probably would have been very difficult for him to find a job of any significance. I did not know that he had lost his job for several months. So he had gotten up, left, like he was going to work. I don't know if my mom knew. The clever salesman doesn't miss a beat. 
he finds another way to continue whining and dining Yesenia. He simply just kind of shifts the income from the corporate card to his wife's credit cards. This masquerade affords Dan a lot of extra time to spend with Yesenia. He had lost his job, so he could have been with her all day, and probably was. She likes unemployed Dan. She likes a man who doesn't work all day and can stay in bed with her all day and go to the gym and the bars and the discos with her. All the while, Dan attempts to keep up his image as a loyal, church-going husband and father. But he wonders how long he can carry on with a charade and big spending behind Trisha's back. Then, something unexpected happens at home. Trish and her mother's vitamin supplement distribution company takes off. That's when our lives changed. We both started working that business very, very hard, and we grew very rapidly. I'll never forget when we got the first $10,000 check. That was quite exciting. For Trish, the success of the business is key to financial stability for her family. For Dan, it's exactly the lifeline he needs to keep his affair with Yesenia alive. He adapted to the lifestyle that he was presented with. He adapted to, I drive a Jag, my wife makes a six-figure income, and maybe this isn't such a bad deal. Trisha's business starts doubling and tripling profits, and Dan's spending keeps pace. She's building a, a big business, highly successful. She's focused on that, not really paying attention to what's going on in her marriage. Maybe he felt like, you know, he was entitled at that point to be able to do and go out and do the things outside of the, the family that he was doing. I think he was spending more money now that he was a free man than he was when he was working. But soon, Dan's flamboyant spending catches up with him. Trish, who has ignored signs that Dan is no longer the man she married, discovers the thousands of dollars of debt that he's racked up. When she calls him out on the credit card charges, again, she has to make some really important decisions. Is this a one-time thing? How deep does it go? Should I really stop my burgeoning business to try to investigate my husband? Dan confesses that he lost his job, and he explains that he had to use Trisha's money to pay for the groceries and household bills that he used to cover with his paycheck. Trish doesn't want to lose her husband, the father of her children, so she puts her blinders on and gives him another chance. Still, Trish begins to pay more attention to his charges. And to make matters worse, Yesenia becomes even more demanding of Dan's attention. Dan's not the only one who's become addicted. There's something about Dan that feeds an inner need of hers. So she's got her claws in him. She knows about the wife, but she's possessive. And she knows that she can feed Dan's sexual needs. And clearly, Trish is not. Dan is in a bind. He's totally dependent on Trish for support. He must do something. Otherwise, he's going to lose his wife or his mistress. Dan desperately needs his own source of income to keep this arrangement going and tries to get in on the family business. He tells Trish he's learning Spanish and offers to open a satellite division across the border. He said, we can set up a business in Mexico and I will be the person that will set it up for you because I will speak this language and we can go down into Mexico and we can open offices down there. But Trish and her mother aren't biting. They don't want Dan involved in their new enterprise. 
We chose to set up a corporation under common law so that if anything happens to me, she gets the business. If anything happens to her, I will get the business. He wanted his name on this business. And Trish told him one day, I'll just never forget it. She said, Dan, I'm telling you right now, your name is not on this business. You have had nothing to do with it. And your name is never going to be on this business. It's a crushing blow for Dan. Without access to the funds from the family business, he's running out of options. He's mad with desire and must find a way to continue seeing Yesenia. But when passion and greed collide, the results can be deadly. For months, Dan Willoughby has been involved in a passionate, steamy affair with his mistress, Yesenia. Behind his wife, Trisha's back. But there's a problem. Dan's flamboyant spending and erratic behavior has cost him his job and his chance to take part in his wife's successful business. And Yesenia is only getting more demanding. She wants lavish gifts and plenty of sex. A sexual relationship is feeding all of their personal needs like a drug. And he can't think logically. He just needs to feel that for the rest of his life like a heroin addict needs their drug. It's the same feeling. It makes him completely illogical. With their relationship getting serious, Dan feels like he needs to do something to make Yesenia feel special. But what he comes up with next is something no one could have expected. The risk that he took there was perhaps even part of the perfect storm. If the kids meet Yesenia and don't tell their mother and keep the secret, well, that must mean that everything's going to turn out okay. In a bizarre twist, Dan brings his two daughters, Marsha and Thera, to Yesenia's apartment and introduces Yesenia as his Spanish tutor and friend. Thera, Dan's younger daughter, seems to take the bait. She was nice. You know, it seemed a little bit odd that why I was, you know, my dad hanging out with this other woman, but he, you know, totally played it off like it was just his friend. But right from the start, 16-year-old Marsha can sense something strange about the meeting. It was just very weird meeting her. And then the way he approached her, the way that he would talk to her, the way he would put his hand on her back, just the way that she she looked at him and the way that she spoke to him, there I knew that there was something between them. And with no affection being shown between he and my mom, it was odd to see that with him. With her father and his supposed Spanish teacher lost in each other's company, Marsha takes the opportunity to snoop around the apartment. And what she sees is shocking. I looked in her closet. There was his clothes in there. In the bathroom, his cologne, which he wore one specific kind of cologne, it was there. There was cards around the apartment that were written in Spanish, written from him. He had a very distinctive handwriting. He wasn't left-handed, but he had a left-handed slant. And so I knew they were from him. Um, and the card said that I love you and this and that, so. I knew that he was staying there. There were several nights that he didn't come home. 
So I knew where he was at after seeing this. It had, it had all kind of just fallen into place. He does a terrible thing to her as a 16-year-old daughter by making her the pawn in the middle so that she is in a terrible conundrum. Back at the Willoughby home, the children are shaken by what they've just seen. Marsha eventually tells Trish about Yesenia. If I was going to say something that could possibly break up a marriage, I wanted to know that it was correct. And seeing what I saw, I knew. And I told her that. Trish confronts Dan about the affair, but he denies any inappropriate behavior. If he actually admits the affair, she's going to divorce him. He's not going to have a job. He'll probably never see his children or certainly not get custody of his children. And then the entire charade, the dance, it has to end. But Trish isn't satisfied with Dan's explanation. So she drives over to Yesenia's apartment and confronts her. She had accused her of having this affair. And of course, Yesenia constantly said, oh no, I'm just his Spanish teacher. And oh, I would never do anything like that. There's nothing between Dan and I. Deny, deny, deny. Make the other person think that they're the, the crazy one. They're the paranoid one. They're the possessive one. She's really not afraid of Trish because she knows she has all the power in the relationship with Dan. But Trish isn't buying it. She knows what's going on and this isn't the life she wants she starts contemplating divorce. She had made plans to divorce Dan, and she was planning to do it right after the first of the year. Back at home, she puts a freeze on Dan's finances. She'd been paying all the bills, and he had been footloose and fancy-free for about uh, six months just doing whatever he wanted to do. What will his life be like if Trish divorces him? Penniless, his ego destroyed, and Yesenia will leave him, and he's got to keep Yesenia at all costs because that's the only thing feeding him at this point. Dan seemed to see her as the, the new Mrs. Willoughby, and I think he was intent on making that happen. With his heart set on a future with Yesenia, Dan hatches a plan to get rid of Trish for good. Divorce was not something that he could have in his life because it would not make him look like a good father or a good husband. The chances that he would have walked away from a divorce with enough money to support his life with Yesenia was zero. Suppose that's when probably a murder scheme began uh, formulating. Dan was broke. The only uh, access he had to money was Trish, her money. She had cut off his credit cards. She knew about his affair. She was not going to spend any more money on him. I think in his mind, he had no option. He had to kill her. What makes this the perfect cocktail is the sexual needs, the thrill, the hedonism. Yesenia feeds all of that. And the idea of the pleasure that he will get with Trish out of the picture? Will he feel remorse if he kills her? Probably not. What was unthinkable becomes plausible in Dan's new mindset. Murder on American soil would be too risky. So Mexico, Dan and Yesenia's favorite getaway, is the best alternative. Dan planned to commit this murder in Mexico 
probably knowing that the resources of law enforcement are very limited and that they wouldn't dig very deep into this case. He must have thought he could do it there and the American authorities would never get involved and that he would be home free. Now all Dan needs is to get Trish to Mexico. He comes to her with an idea. He wants to take their family on vacation and presents Trish with a trip to an exclusive beach resort in Mexico. Dan did things very, very flamboyant. It was a very, very big publicized matter that they were going to Mexico. It wasn't just like, hey, babe, you know, we're going to take off and go to Mexico for the weekend. At first, Trish is suspicious. She knows Dan is cheating on her, but decides to give their marriage one last try. She knew what he was doing, and I believe that she wanted to finally see if she could save the marriage, and if not, her plans were to divorce Dan. But neither Dan nor Trish will be ready for the surprises that await them. The Willoughbys won't be going on vacation alone, and Dan's lover, Yesenia, is not who he thinks she is. February 1991. Trish Willoughby has recently discovered that her husband Dan has been sneaking around behind her back with a femme fatale named Yesenia and has confronted both of them. But she's willing to make one last attempt to repair their marriage. Dan has convinced Trish to go on a family vacation to Mexico, the perfect setting to work on their relationship. That's why he got a beach condo with no power, no phone. So we wouldn't have to worry about any of that. The area where they will be staying is in Puerto Penasco, commonly called Rocky Point by Americans. Rocky Point is across Sea of Cortez from Baja, California. And it's just a small, sleepy little village. But the family vacation won't be Dan's first trip to Puerto Penasco. A week before the Willoughbys go on vacation, Dan and Yesenia drive to Mexico on a scouting mission. He made a trip to Puerto Penasco, and he took Yesenia with him. So she would have the lay of the land, and she would see the, the beach house that he was going to rent and work out the details that way. They check the windows and locks and review the plan. That plan, that we do this together, we can get away with it, we just gotta get Trish out of the picture, was just as intoxicating as sex. And now the thought of sex with no wife to worry about takes them to new heights. With the plans finalized, the lovers return to Arizona. On the eve of the family vacation, Trisha's anxiety about the trip prompts her to call her mother. She said, you know, Mom, I don't want to go on this trip. I just don't feel good about this trip, Mom. I just don't feel like I should be going. But against her better judgment, she goes. And on February 22nd, 1991, Dan, Trish, and their three children arrive in Puerto Penasco, Mexico. The following day, Dan plans to take the family on an outing. When it comes time to go, Dan tells the children that Trish isn't feeling well and is going to stay behind to rest. She went to all the activities that we did. 
It was very strange that she stayed home. Dan and the kids head out. But before they go, Dan says that he's left something back in the condo. After a few minutes, his oldest daughter attempts to follow him into the room. I went up to the door, and the door was locked. And I thought it was odd. And I jiggled the handle, and I'm thinking, what? Why would you lock a door? And I thought maybe that it was locked because it automatically locked. But it was Mexico, and they had weird locks there, so I knew it didn't. So Danny had come out at the same time, different clothes on, and tucking in a shirt. Finally, everyone is back in the van. They head out for the afternoon. After a few hours of touring the area, the Willoughby family returns to their condo. But on the way back, something just doesn't seem right. I remember like having a bad feeling that like I wanted to get back to the house. I didn't know why, um, but I just, it just felt like we should get back. When they arrive back at the condo, Dan sends the kids in ahead of him. You know, we pulled in and we kind of jumped out of the car and ran in because we wanted to tell mom that, you know, we got to steer the car and Hayden wanted to tell her about the beached whale and we were really excited. But when the children reach Dan and Trisha's bedroom, they are horrified by what they find. <sighs> you can see her lying on the bed and you could just see it kind of a, a red towel wrapped around her head. And it, you couldn't really see what, like it just looked strange. It, I don't think I processed it. And Thera had come out and she was shaking. She goes, mom's not breathing. I remember things just kind of moving in slow motion. Um, it didn't seem like we were getting her help. Like, seemed like we needed to have the ambulance there right that second, and things were kind of getting delayed, and it just didn't make sense. After what seems like a long delay, the ambulance and the police arrive. This was a particularly violent death. She was bludgeoned repeatedly. Her face had uh, large bruises and hematomas on both of her cheeks, uh, lacerations across her face from impact wounds. There was one knife stuck into Trisha's right temple area, uh, which was still protruding out, out of her head. But instead of grieving, Dan seems very concerned about giving his daughter, Marsha, Trisha's jewelry. Dan takes the earrings out of her ears and the necklace off. He'd given her some little diamond earrings takes those off and brings them out and hands them to Marcia and said, here, you can have these. Your mother's dead, you can have these. We have to remember that Marcia was the pawn. Marcia is the one who, when she met Yesenia, saw right through the relationship. And really, that putting of the jewelry into Marcia's hand was really just like, come over to my side. If you do that, everything will be okay. Trish Willoughby, devoted mother and wife, is pronounced dead at the hospital just a few hours later. 
More than 12 hours after Trish dies, Dan calls her family back in Arizona to break the news. And right away, they're suspicious. Dan's account was a very uh, surgical, uh, very strategic, uh, very time-accounted. And I knew then this man was guilty when I hung up the phone. But Dan had an alibi. He was sightseeing with his children. And when Mexican police question him, they don't consider him a suspect. He and his family are free to go. But back at the crime scene, they do find something interesting. The Mexican police were able to find some footprints from the unlocked back door that led away from the condominium and towards the beach. They were able to tell that it was from a, a small boot, probably a woman's, based on the size. Near the footprints is a half-smoked marijuana cigarette with rosy-colored lipstick on it. But without a fingerprint or murder weapon, the Mexican investigation hits a dead end. Back in Arizona, the story is all over the local papers. It was a hometown girl who had been murdered in front of her children. When the Willoughbys arrive back in Gilbert, suspicion towards Dan mounts. That first morning, we started getting calls, some anonymous, some not anonymous, and people were uh, pretty excited about the fact that she had been killed. And several people called us and said things like, I can't believe he finally did it. So there were people that suspected immediately that Dan killed his wife. With enough circumstantial evidence to suggest the murder was planned on Arizona soil, Gilbert police established jurisdiction and open an investigation of their own. It became evident to us on the very first day that Dan wasn't the wholesome family man that he pretended to be. After questioning Dan and others in town, Gilbert police quickly become aware of Dan's affair with Yesenia. And she immediately becomes a person of interest. At the very beginning, we had people telling us that Dan was involved. Uh, but we know from other crimes that in love triangles, you need to include all possibilities. With a Mexican investigation at a standstill, Gilbert police detectives begin their own manhunt for Yesenia Patino. We tracked Yesenia to the airport Hilton. She was booked under one of her aliases. She had told the desk clerk that she was leaving the country to go to Germany. When questioning by Gilbert PD's Lieutenant Ruit begins, Yesenia is calm and maintains her innocence. She's very chatty and comfortable speaking, never exhibited any sign of nervousness. But when investigators search her belongings, they find two damning pieces of evidence. First, they find something that links Yesenia directly to Trish. I found Trish Willoughby's uh, wedding ring or engagement ring. But what they find next turns the investigation on its head. She gave me permission to look through her purse and I found a social security card and it said Alfredo Patino. And uh, when one of the other investigators finished his interview, I asked her, who's Alfredo? And Yesenia said, that was me before the corrective surgery. And at first it didn't dawn on me that we were talking about a transgender surgery here. But they are. Yesenia used to be a man. Thank you.
Trish Willoughby was brutally murdered while on a family vacation in Puerto Penasco, Mexico. Arizona police suspect her husband, Dan, was involved when they learn he's having an affair. They bring his mistress, Yesenia Patino, in for questioning. But detectives have just gotten the shock of their lives when they hear this attractive suspect used to be a man. She used to be known as Alfredo Patino, and he was born on February 6th, 1957. When Dan hears the news, he's shocked. After all, he's been intimate with Yesenia for over a year. Dan obviously never suspected that Yesenia had only been a woman for six or seven years. I think that inside, he probably crumbled completely. And that had to really hit him where it hurts. But even at the very end, he's not going to give anyone the satisfaction of knowing. The chances of this happening are not one in a million. I'm sure the odds are way higher than that. She fooled me. Definitely fooled me. She was definitely very, very feminine. She could walk in heels like no other. Arizona investigators are stunned by the bizarre turn in the case, but they still don't have enough evidence to charge Yesenia with murder. Unfortunately, they didn't have enough to hold her. So at about 3.30 that afternoon, she was released. With no new evidence, the investigations on both sides of the border run cold. The Gilbert Police Department persuades the Arizona State Attorney General's office to take over the case, knowing they have many more resources at their disposal. Their investigators fly to Mexico and swarm the crime scene, looking for evidence. For the first few hours, they find nothing new, but then they make a remarkable discovery. They did find a Coke bottle in the kitchen, and that had a uh, fingerprint of Yesenia. That was key to the case. It proved beyond any doubt that she was present in the room. It's the one piece of physical evidence they've been missing. But when they go to arrest her, Yesenia has fled. For the next 38 weeks, police are on a manhunt. And finally, they track her down in Mexico. When Yesenia was tracked down to Mazatlan, she was taken into custody by Mexican police, and she gave a full confession to her involvement, and she was very descriptive of what her part was in it, and she implicated Dan. He would kill Trish, then he would leave with the kids. He would leave the back door open. Yesenia would come along. She would go in the back door, take Trish's jewelry, make it look like a robbery. We never did recover the murder weapon in this, but it was described to us uh, by Yesenia. We believe that the homemade mace was the type of weapon that was used based on the forensic evidence. By this point, I think Dan thought he really successfully had gotten away with murder. Being a Mexican citizen, Yesenia Patino is detained by Mexican police and not allowed to return to the U.S. On December 10th, 1991, Dan Willoughby is arrested and charged with the murder of his wife, Trish. You would think being advised that you're under the arrest for the murder of your wife would be overwhelming. In fact, he was more concerned with his public appearance. When people are engaging in this dance of narcissism, especially with another person who's feeding that ego, 
You have to remember that the level of denial they go into to allow the affair to happen in the first place, it becomes so thick that they can't even see. They get blinders on. A few months later, Dan's trial begins in Arizona. Yesenia is extradited back to the U.S. only to appear as a witness in Dan's trial. The prosecution uses her testimony to build a strong case against him. The prosecutor was able to outline 25 distinctive overt acts of the planning and carrying out of the homicide, which involved everything from uh, lining up the uh, uh, condominium to leaving the back door open to providing transportation so that Yesenia could get to Mexico and get back to Arizona. The prosecutor was able to show circumstantial evidence that overwhelmed the jury, and in a very short time, they came back with a conviction. On May 19, 1992, Dan Willoughby is convicted of murder in Arizona's Maricopa Superior Court. Yesenia is tried in Mexico and also found guilty. Just when you thought you've heard everything, along came this case, and this was like, Truth is stranger than fiction. We couldn't be making this stuff up. Losing your children, losing your wife, looking at, at the rest of your life in prison perhaps was not nearly as frightening to him as the reality that he had been completely fooled by someone who was once a man. Whether Dan's infatuation with a Yesenia he knew continued or whether it came to an abrupt halt with the knowledge that she used to be a he, remains a mystery. But for Trisha's family, justice is served and the healing process can begin. I don't understand how somebody can do what they did to an amazing woman and take a mother away from her children and her family like he did. I did not care what it took. I did not care how long it took. I would get him and he would pay for murdering my daughter, and he did. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.